I know what's expected. So I'm trying to fill the shoes of those guys that have come before me and do something for this organization that hadn't been done in a long time. Snap is back. Blitz again. I plan for this to be the golden year. Deep fade left side. Action. Touchdown. We have always got time to talk Cowboys here on NFL Live. We will have Adam Schefter's NBA mock draft. That's actually a joke. We'll just have the latest and all the running backs and things that you actually care about. We also have Mina Kimes and Bill Barmore. Talk about a smart panel here on NFL Live today for the next 60 minutes. Plenty of football talk, and we're going to begin in Big D, where the Cowboys look to get over the hump, as despite the team's recent regular season success, playoff disappointment have really been the biggest defining factor for this franchise. Defensive end Tank Lawrence and quarterback Dak Prescott are confident, though, in this new-look squad. As Lawrence was asked about the current gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles, he said, quote, I don't feel like it's a huge gap at all. I feel like it comes down to certain details. Not just the scheme, but also your locker room. Meanwhile, Prescott said this. Oh, excuse me, you're more from Lawrence. I feel like through this time right now when we headed to training camp, that we made those adjustments. We learned those different things that we need to learn about our teammates so we can fully function the way we should out there on the field. Now here's Prescott on his thoughts on the upcoming season. A thousand percent, it feels different. Um, you're able to take now two 12-win seasons over into this one and build. And first time I, in my career, I can say I felt like uh, – consecutive seasons are building where going back to 21 we've been able to build we built that year and then now we can build again and I think that's the best real chance that you have of making it so while only the Chiefs have won more games than the Cowboys over the past two years that hasn't led to much of a playoff breakthrough Dallas is the fifth team in NFL history to win 12 games in back-to-back years but fall short of the conference championship in both of those years get this they've lost seven straight divisional round games uh, that's the longest streak ever in the divisional round. All right, I mean, it's all about making the leap for the Dallas Cowboys, and that starts by closing the gap with Philly. Do you believe they can do that? Yeah. I agree with Demarcus Lawrence. I, I don't think the gap is that big, Field. I do have the Eagles ranked higher in, uh, in terms of overall power rankings, but while the Eagles' offense is better I would argue that the Dallas Cowboys defense is better than Philadelphia's. To me, it seems pretty clear. Um, this is a defense that last year finished second in DVOA, third in EPA per play, better than the Eagles in most meaningful metrics. And this offseason, I actually think that they got better. They traded for Stephon Gilmore at cornerback. I thought that was a perfect fit given all the man coverage they play, giving them some depth. Spent their draft round, the draft pick in the first round on Mozzie Smith to help shore up that run defense. And otherwise, you have continuity at all three levels and perhaps most importantly, at defensive coordinator. They retain Dan Quinn, who's done a fantastic job. Meanwhile, in Philly, uh, most of the losses in free agency occurred on that side of the ball as well as some coaching changes. So when you put these two units head-to-head, -to, -head, to me, Dallas is better. And I don't think that should be a particularly controversial opinion. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Mina. You mentioned those defensive changes in Philadelphia, and they had to make cutbacks. Just have to be realistic when you have Jalen Hurts going from making about $1.5 million to more than $50 million a year. And they cut back on the defensive side of the ball up the middle. They lost Javon Hargrave. 
the 49ers, both starting linebackers and both starting safeties left Philadelphia this offseason. Plus, both of their coordinators, Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, both left this offseason. So there's going to be an adjustment period here. And I think what Dak brought up was really compelling. The idea that the Cowboys can take what they had last year with continuity and move forward into the 2023 season where the Eagles are going to have an adjustment period. They have to figure out who's going to play, who's going to play well, get to know each other to some extent on the defensive side of the ball before they can really be the defense we saw last season. So, Shefty, a lot of continuity in Dallas, but perhaps the biggest change on offense is the new play caller, that being Mike McCarthy, the head yeah. coach. Do you think the Cowboys believe that he can kind of fix the woes that plagued them down the stretch last year? Well, the amazing thing is they think they were fourth in the league in points per game. Yeah. Now, they changed so many assistant coaches. They changed about six, seven, eight assistant coaches during the offseason, most notably Kellen Moore going over to the Los Angeles Chargers and then promoting Brian Schottenheimer to offensive coordinator, but allowing Mike McCarthy, the head coach, to be the play caller here. Obviously, he's experienced in that area. He had success in Green Bay. It's one of the main reasons that the Dallas Cowboys went ahead and hired Mike McCarthy and gave him this chance. And they obviously believe that he's going to help elevate an offense that performed better than people realized last year mm. and continue to excel this year. He'll put his own stamp on it, of course, but it's a different offensive brain trust in Dallas this year, which the Cowboys are hoping helps bridge the gap between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Yeah, no question that the Cowboys are a great offense and will still likely be very good with Mike McCarthy as their play caller, but just hard to see where they're going to gain on the margins. And there's something at odds here. There's a paradox here. Mike McCarthy came out this offseason and said the Cowboys needed to run the ball more to keep that defense fresh. They wanted to win the game as opposed to winning uh, the, the offensive scoreboard. But look at what they did this offseason. Their biggest moves on offense were to get rid of Ezekiel Elliott, not really replace their power back, and then trade for Brandon Cooks, who's an excellent wide receiver, but not the sort of player who's going to help you run the ball more effectively. So I think I, I want to actually see what Mike McCarthy's offense looks like here in 2023 versus what he said this offseason. I'll tell you what, if mm. the Cowboys do bridge the gap between them and the Eagles, Recent history will prevail once again as it's been 18 straight years since a team repeated as a champion in the NFC East. What a quirky little huh. stat that is mm. right there. Wow. Time for some quick reads wow. and let's get to the rest of the NFC East. As other than the Cowboys, what's one last roster move for each team in the division to make? Bill, you're up first. Yeah, let's start with the Eagles and let's start with safety. I mentioned they lost both of their starters this offseason. They're going to have to make some changes. They've already imported a couple guys. Reed Blankenship is going to play more frequently. But this is a team, remember, that traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson at the end of training camp last year, moved into safety, and got a star-level season so they could be in the market as late as late August. All right, I'll, let's go back to the Cowboys. A little bit of bonus round here. And the Cowboys stacked on defense, stacked on offense. They need a kicker. Brett Maher, of course, had the infamous four-missed extra point game in the playoffs. Didn't cost them against hmm. the Bucks, but they have not made a real significant investment at that kicker spot so far this offseason. Bypass one in the draft. Feels like the team has more confidence than I do in the kicker group. But I tell you what, I'd add at least one veteran before we get the training game. That's a great one. Kicker. It's the kind of thing you don't worry about until you need it. Mine's a lot easier, a lot more obvious. That, of course, is the Giants. You need to get a deal done with Saquon Barkley. Uh, they did franchise tag him, but he has suggested he might not be thrilled playing on the tag. 
We're going to talk about running back value uh, later on in the show, but I'll say this. Saquon Barkley is extremely valuable to this offense, both as a runner and a pass catcher. And if this team wants to get back to the playoffs, they need him happy. They need him on the roster this season. If I were a free agent linebacker, I'd want to play in Washington for the commanders because that front is just so good. But this team is thin right now, specifically an inside linebacker. This offseason, they signed Cody Barton, previously of the Seahawks, to replace Cole Holcomb, who went to Pittsburgh. But it feels like there's room for one more linebacker. And frankly, the best place to look is familiarity. Maybe John Boston, the guy who started five games last year, would serve the commanders well. But with a head coach who was a linebacker, you got to figure Ron Rivera wants a bit more depth there. We are just getting started here on NFL Live as we have plenty more on Saquon. That from Sheffy and what he learned about Dalvin Cook's future after their in-depth conversation on his podcast. Plus, with the new superstar quarterback under center, can the Jets be thrown the king, the Bills, as the kings of the East? Hear what Josh Allen had to say about facing his buddy, Aaron Rodgers, twice a year. NFL Live is brought to you by Expedia, made to travel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hand off Elliott. Sideline. Keep running. Ball game. Bye-bye, Josh. Ezekiel Elliott released. The Vikings have released running back Dalvin Cook. Nobody's happy in this running back market. Saquon. Josh and Tony, our top three guys, getting franchise tagged and really capping the market to say, nope, you're going to have to risk it all again on a one-year guaranteed contract. It's just tough for me to accept. They're not appreciating the running back position. I want to be a John for life. I'm not trying to reset the running back market. When you have Josh Jacobs, when you have Saquon Barkley, running backs that came in doing it the right way, they should be getting paid. So many running backs in the news these days. Let's turn to Shefty for the latest on a few of them, starting with Saquon Barkley. Well, Phil, the Giants and Saquon Barkley remain apart on a potential contract extension here, but they have until July 17th to get a long-term deal done. That is the deadline for franchise players this year, and that is the time when talks are expected to ramp up to see if the two sides can make some of the progress that they failed to make so far during the offseason. A similar story in Las Vegas with the Raiders franchise running back Josh Jacobs. The two sides have not made 
much progress. He's on the $10.1 million franchise tag. That July 17th deadline date that looms for Saquon also looms for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, and we would expect that talks would really ramp up that last week before that deadline. Meanwhile, there is a free agent running back on the market, and that is Ezekiel Elliott. And if we go back to the offseason, at one point, he felt like he was choosing between teams like Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Buffalo, nothing materialized. We've heard Jerry Jones say that he would welcome Ezekiel Elliott back in Dallas, but the running back market is so flat right now and teams are off, there's no rush for him to make a move. And take a look at some of the running backs who are out there as free agents. Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, and the prices would seem to be right for some of these players. So if you need help or depth at that position, you're in business right now because there's certainly a surplus of backs to choose from. So, Shefty, it certainly feels like more so this offseason than prior offseason. We've been discussing the value of running backs, but it's really not just 2023 as the running back market's been stagnant for Two years, Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara are the only backs with more than 30 million guaranteed on their contracts. But both of those guys are dual threats who rank outside the top 10 in rushes per game since debuting in 2017. Three running backs got the franchise tag this offseason, but that really hasn't equated to a huge windfall. Only kickers and punters who share a tag have a lower tag value than running backs, which checked in at that aforementioned $10.1 million. And when put up against wide receiver contracts, it's no comparison at all. The average of the top five running back guarantees is just under 28 million. That's less than half of the 69 million of the top five receiver guarantees. All right, Bill, for those that have been following this closely, it's really not that new of a development, but what are your thoughts on the running back market and why it looks that way right now? Yeah, Field, I think it has so much to do with how the game has changed over the past 20 years, and that's been towards a heavier shift towards the pass. Running backs are just not getting as many carries in total, whether it be one back, two back, three backs, and we're seeing teams move towards more rotations and more specialized roles. You would figure if anyone's gonna get paid, it's that sort of bell cow workhorse back. Well, there aren't as many of those as there were 20 years ago. Go back to 2003, there were 13 backs who carried the ball 300 times or more that season. Last 10 years, last decade, an average of just under two backs per season carrying wow. the ball 300 or more times, and they get an extra game the past couple of years. That's, that's bumped up the numbers a tiny bit. So absolutely, the talent is still there, but I think the game is evolving to a point where that sort of guy we picture and I heard about being a bell cow back is not really actually playing out on the field. Yeah, Bill's right. It's a number of factors, right? It's the game changing, the committee approach you just outlined, the fact that I think teams are increasingly aware that they can get comparable production from younger players on cost-controlled contracts. And this, to me, it's, it's not like teams woke up and said, we're going to pay running backs unfairly. The NFL is a hard-capped league. That money is just going elsewhere. When you look at franchise tag values over the last few years as running backs have gone down, wide receiver contracts, offensive line contracts. I think teams are more aware of the role that run blocking plays in rushing efficiency. That's where the money is going. I don't think it's a matter of fairness so much as it is reflecting how they perceive value. Now, what is unfair uh, and where I think running backs have a truly legitimate gripe is the timeline and how it uniquely affects them. 
Um, you know, think about this. The average NFL running back works for three for free for three years in college. Maybe you can make some NIL money. Then they come to the NFL where their salary can be cost-controlled for as many as five years. We're looking at some of those scenarios right now with the franchise tag guys. Uh, and so by the time they're able to actually get a contract determined by the market, they're usually older than the age of 26, mm. which is when, statistically, running backs tend to peak mm. in production. Mm. To me, that's the major problem uh, with running back salaries. It's how they're uniquely affected by the wage scale and even before that, that structural problem. Uh, it's not NFL teams failing to appreciate their current their value once they do reach free agency. Yeah, I remember back in April of 2020, Christian McCaffrey had an offer on the table from the Carolina Panthers about signing an extension that he went back and forth on whether or not to sign it. Well, he did go ahead and sign that $64 million deal over three years ago. And that still stands as the richest contract that we've seen for a running back. It was not broken in 21, 22, 23. What other position in the league would go that long Three, four years without seeing somebody top a mark of a contract from over three years ago. That's unheard of. But that's the state of the running back position right now to where Christian McCaffrey's contract signed over three years ago still stands as the richest running back contract in the game. No question. It's been a stagnant market. And I think the tough part is we're seeing teams struggle to even identify which backs they should be drafting and developing. And I think the classic example here are the Kansas City Chiefs, where they went out and used a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was going to be the perfect fit for that offense. He struggled, and the Chiefs brought in Isaiah Pacheco last year, one of the last picks in the draft, a seventh-rounder, and he fundamentally changed that offense. A more valuable back, a more useful back, but not the back the Chiefs invested a lot in to begin with. So if you could guarantee that you were going to get some, some solid play from a veteran back or a first-round pick, running backs would be taken more often, but it's just hard to sort through these guys. Yeah. You know, Bill, we started this conversation with you discussing the evolution of the league. How about this? The last team to win a Super Bowl with a player that was a top-five rusher in that season was the Patriots. As in the 2004 Patriots with Corey Dillon before Tom uh, Brady was at the peak of his powers. Uh, it is truly amazing. <laughs> All right, coming up Who next. they got off the scrap heap field? Who they got off the scrap of heap? Course, of course, that's, that's, yeah, that's right. He was basically <laughs> cast away from Cincinnati for a very small price relative to his prior production. Yeah. All right, coming up next here on NFL Live, no matter who is under center for the Niners, they always seem to make it work. But how? Stay tuned to hear George Kittle spill the beans on the secret behind Kyle Shanahan's play calling. Don't stop rock like TikTok. Don't stop clock to break the door till the early morning. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Friday, we'll have the final bouts of the PFL regular season from Overtime Elite Arena in Atlanta with the welterweights and lightweights at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific, right here on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus. Coverage of the undercard begins at 5.30 Eastern on ESPN Plus. All right, time now for some top stories here on NFL Live and who other than Adam Schefter. And Schefter, we begin with the latest on the Colts and cornerback Isaiah Rogers. What do we know about him and his violation of the league gambling policy? Well, Field, it feels like a suspension is going to be inevitable. It feels like a lengthy suspension is going to be inevitable, but the league still is looking into that case before it hands down its discipline for a player who bet on NFL games. And the league obviously has been spending a lot of time this offseason emphasizing the teams. The league already has visited with 12 teams and is scheduled to visit with six more, spelling out the six points of emphasis. Don't bet on the NFL. Don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel don't have someone bet for you don't share team inside information don't enter into a sports book during the nfl playing season and don't play fantasy football sorry to your fancy football podcast there field but the league is trying to guard against that and the league is really emphasizing that to teams isaiah rogers certainly is going to be suspended at some point here and i have a feeling He's not going to be the only player who gets suspended here. I think the league is looking to other players as well, and I think there could be other suspensions coming as well. You know, Shafty, right around the July 4th holiday has been when the NFL has often released some news about suspensions. We're just about two weeks away from that holiday weekend. Let's get to some more top stories around the league. Let's begin with DeAndre Hopkins. Any update there? Listen, we know that he visited Tennessee, we know he visited New England, and we also know that there's no rush to get a deal done, so he's going to continue to take his time, sift through interest, and let's see if any other teams materialize in terms of wanting him to visit or to somehow work out a deal. But right now, those would seem to be the options, and we'll see whether or not anything else materializes for him. Similar story for Dalvin Cook, who's gotten a lot of interest from teams so far, not in any any rush to sign just yet. He obviously said he might reach out to DeAndre Hopkins, see if they could form an epic tandem with another team. But it's a situation where he remains on the market, and I would imagine it'll heat up as we get closer to training camp. And further tests on the Jets' safety. Chuck Clark confirmed that he did, in fact, tear his ACL during practice earlier this month, and he's going to be out for the year. That's a blow to the Jets secondary. They knew it would be coming, and that's why they went out and signed Adrian Amos from the Green Bay Packers, adding him in there. And so now he is tied to the Jets, taking the place for Chuck Clark. Meanwhile, NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers, the Jets quarterback, was among a wide-ranging lineup of speakers at a psychedelics conference in Denver this week and advocated 
for the legalization of psychedelics by discussing his own experiences with psychedelics. And he went on to say at some point in time here that the response from other people in the sports industry has been incredible. To see basketball players, baseball players, surfers, entertainers, my own teammates and colleagues across the league reach out and either share their story about their own medicine journey or ask to be part of an upcoming one is pretty pretty special. So Aaron Rodgers busy backing psychedelics during the offseason there, Field. Shefty, you are the prominent NFL insider. You've been in this business for about 30 years, illustrious career. Did you ever in your days think that this would be the kind of story that you would be covering <laughs> on the NFL coverage? I don't remember John Elway or Dan Marino backing psychedelics <laughs> back when I first entered the league field. No. Okay. Yeah, times have changed. Uh, Rodgers was not done, by the way. You can read the entire article on ESPN.com, but he had this to say as well. And I'm going to grab my paper because I want to make sure I read this correctly. Quote, you know, it's going to be hard to cancel me because, you know, the previous year, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. We had a good season. Ayahuasca, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, MVP. What are you going to say? End quote. Not sure what to say, to be honest with you, other than Aaron Rodgers is a four-time MVP. He with the stats. Yep. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Hey, numbers he never swears by lie. It. <laughs> All right, this week marks the start of the annual Tight End U. That's an event conducted in Nashville where many of the very best tight ends of the NFL gather together for some on-field work and some brain picking. George Kittle has played an integral role in the event's organizing success and had some insight on his play caller, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle is this thing where like, if he wants to set up, a, like, a play action or a bootleg type of pass, he'll, like, sometimes, he'll just call a play, a run play that he knows is not going to work. I can't remember what game this was. I want to say it might have been, like, Seattle in the playoffs this year, and we're running a run play multiple times, and it's averaging, like, two yards of carry, two yards of carry, two yards of carry. And then we threw a play action behind it, and Debo goes for 75 yards against Seattle. And the whole thing is set up because it's the exact same motion, it's the exact same alignment, it looks the exact same. Debo's uncovered in the flat running for a touchdown. Commander's offense has been a big play machine anytime they've had a healthy quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. And of course, play action, a big part of that. No team has averaged more yards after the catch on play action passes than Shanahan took over in 2017. And only the Titans have gotten more yards per attempt on those plays. All right, so Mina, I thought I could have listened to George Kittle talking about Kyle Shanahan probably for a lot longer than just that one quote. But as you look at the 49ers play calling with Kyle Shanahan, what do you think makes him so effective? Yeah, first of all, that was a great clip. Shout out to my friend Kevin Clark and his podcast. Yes. Uh, George Kittle hissed on something there that I think is really important and really interesting, which is for your play action passing attack to work. You don't have to run the ball. This is contrary to conventional wisdom, a thing you still hear all the time. You don't have to run the ball a lot, frankly, and you don't have to run the ball super well. Uh, in fact, I think it was about five years ago that Ben Baldwin of Football Outsiders came out with a study that disproved this. What you do have to do is convince defenses that you will run the ball. Uh, and that really comes down to the timing of the runs and then the type of runs that you call. And that is where Kyle Shanahan, to me, is such a genius when it comes to play calling. It really is about the sequential nature of what he calls, how things set each other up, and then ultimately uh, punish defenses for believing one thing and doing another. Absolutely. Kyle Shanahan has used this to basically develop his own version of a cheat code. 
during his time in the NFL, going back all the way to his time as the OC with the Texans 15 years ago. He is the best play caller in football when it comes to extracting huge plays on first down. Their success rate on those plays, not all that yeah. great, but their yards per play, incredible. They ranked in the top six virtually every season. Shanahan has been in San Francisco, just outside of the one year where every quarterback got injured. And this is a trend going back to, he was number one with Houston in 2008. He had a top 10 finish with Donovan McNabb in Washington uh, when he was there as the OC before Robert Griffin got there. They're so good at hitting those chunk plays off of play action on first down. And by the way, on top of that, last year when Shanahan was sixth, the team that wasn't first by a significant margin, the Dolphins and Mike mm. McDaniel, who learned underneath mm. Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. It's not just quarterbacks he can develop. It's coordinators. It's play callers. Kyle Shanahan certainly has plenty of range. But speaking of those quarterbacks, Shefty, while I'm not sure entirely it matters who is under center, they're going to be really good. What is the latest on the health of the 49ers quarterbacks? Well, Phil, mm. if Brock Purdy is healthy and the signs so far are encouraging, he's going to be the starting quarterback on opening day. And right now, the 49ers are cautiously optimistic that he will be able to make it back. Now, if he can't, that's where it gets a little interesting. And you talk about the fact that they've developed that offense and players shine in it. Well, Sam Darnold knew that. That's one of the reasons that Sam Darnold opted for San Francisco over other options. The 49ers signed him the first day, and he has shined to that team so far. Now, there's a long way to go this summer, and we'll see how much of a leap Trey Lance takes. He worked with Patrick Mahomes during the offseason. They feel really good about him and the progress he's made and the progress he will continue to make. But I think as we go into camp with the summer to still play out, Sam Darnold's got a real opportunity there to do something if Brock Purdy is unable to start the season. But again, the signs there are encouraging. They're hoping he makes it back. And right now, he is on track. As a testament to both Kyle Shanahan and the talent of this roster, the 49ers still have the third highest chance to win the Super Bowl, according to FPI, even with the question mark under center. All right, coming up with new faces headed to new places, we'll reveal which coaches we think will have a breakout season. That's next here on NFL Live. The 77th annual NBA draft is tonight in Barclays Center in Brooklyn with the Spurs set to select Victor Wembanyama with the first pick. The Hornets have the second pick, followed by the Trailblazers, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Our coverage begins at 7.30 on ESPN right after SportsCenter. Earlier this month, the great Bill Barnwell wrote about how the Giants and Vikings broke through with rookie head coaches last year. That got us thinking, who could be the next breakout coach? Last year, there were five head coaches to make their playoff debut, tied for the most of any year in league history. That included the Giants-Vikings matchup between Kevin O'Connell and Brian Dable, only the fifth time rookie coaches have faced off in playoff history. And how about this? The great Bill Bornwell is still here, as he has been for the entirety of the show. <laughs> you wrote about that matchup of Brian Dable and Kevin O'Connell, how they really boosted their teams this past season. Who do you think is a coach that could have a breakout year in 2023? Hmm. I, I think I would go with someone who reminds me of Brian Dable, and that's Todd Monken in Baltimore. And I bring this up because of what Dable did to get to his head coaching job. He struggled early in his career as an offensive coordinator, 
went back to school, went to Alabama for a year, served as their offensive coordinator, and then came back to the NFL and looked like a different guy. He had different concepts in his plays. It was a more modern offense. He was great with the Bills and then went to go work with the Giants as their head coach. Todd Monken, same thing, struggled a little bit earlier in his career with the Bucks and the Browns, went back to school, went to Georgia, did great work as the OC there for three years. Now with the Ravens, plenty of playmakers for everyone can stay healthy. I think this could be a revitalized offense for Baltimore and for Todd Monken in 2023. It's a great choice. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, a lesser known name, a little known coach, Sean Payton. Uh, <laughs> this one's obviously, a little bit easier. Uh, we know how good Peyton's record was in New Orleans. What really stands out to me, though, about that record in his time there was what he did with the offense near the end of Drew Brees' career when he was limited throwing downfield, or in some cases, not actually the Saints quarterback. You remember him going 5-0 with Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to come in and this whole offensive operation, and it really is about the entire operation in Denver, is just going to look a lot better um, in terms of the execution and as well as, of course, the play calling. But beyond that, beyond Peyton himself, there's another reason why I expect Denver to play better, and that's they're going to, well, I, well I'm not going to say, I'm not going to guarantee it, but last year they were the most injured team in football, mm. according to Football Outsiders' adjusted games lost. Bill Barnwell does a great job every year of predicting teams that are likely to uh, either bounce back or regress. And this is one of the things he looks at because terrible injury luck tends not to repeat year to year, knock on wood. I and mean, you might remember the Broncos, the, before the season even started, lost Tim Patrick. They had K.J. Hamler miss half the season. The wide receivers were in and out. Garrett Bowles missed most of the season. Their left tackle, I think it was kind of overlooked amidst the train wreck of the whole thing. Uh, but getting a lot yeah. of those players back should help as well as the uh, free agent signings. You know, Tim Patrick was an injury that really deflated them. And the hiring of Sean Payton has really boosted the hopes around there. When you talk to the people around the building, and look, it's June, and they haven't lost a single game yet. So it's easy to say. They're like, we already see why Sean Payton was hired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. We already see the way things are run here and the difference they believe it's going to make this season. And, of course, that's going to be tied to the quarterback. There was no person on the face of the universe that Russell Wilson wanted to be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos more than Sean Payton. Hmm. So he got what he wanted. The Broncos got what they wanted. And to date, everything has looked the way they thought it would. Now, again, we'll see what happens when the regular season rolls around. But I could tell you that hopes and optimism run high in the Rocky Mountains right yeah, now. I was going to say, with all the championships, they keep winning in Denver right now, Chef. Did the Broncos better take a step forward? All right, if you play <laughs> fantasy football, get your notepad out right now because we're going to get into some more quick reads and pick out our breakout players for 2023. Mina, you're up first. I love Christian Watson, a second-year yeah. receiver in Green Bay who really broke out the second half of last season, finished the year 12th in yards per route run, which reflects both his productivity and his usage. I don't expect that usage to dip off very much because I still expect him to be the number one wide receiver in this offense. So look for Jordan Love to be targeting Watson a lot downfield and uh, fantasy owners to benefit. Yeah, I'm looking at another second-year receiver here in George Pickens. Nobody had it harder in 2022 than George Pickens. He had the lowest expected catch rate of any receiver in football, meaning he had the hardest average catch of anybody in the league. 
and he caught 61% of his passes, the highest catch rate over expectation of anybody in football. So if he has easier throws to catch in 2023, he could unlock a new level from a possible star receiver in Pittsburgh. Well, we talked about the Denver Broncos and the effect that Sean Payne would have. Here's one player he should directly impact, the tight end Greg Dulcich, who came on last year and really produced later in the season. Sean Payton already has talked about the fact that they're going to use him in a variety of roles, in the Joker role, which was popular and productive down in New Orleans. Alvin Kamara played that slot, so Greg Dulcich could be in line for some nice numbers in Denver this season. Bottom mouth to feed, but Dulcich did look like the real deal down the stretch. He's a great athlete for a tight end. All right, still to come here, Shefty has more details on the new marriage between Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in our off-season storyline series. And Bill tells us why there might be more questions than answers in New York. Today, we continue an annual series led by our own Adam Schefter as he dives into the biggest questions of the NFL offseason from quarterback contract extensions to the sale of a franchise. Today's question revolves around the story of the offseason so far, Aaron Rodgers' marriage with the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers' arrival in New York has invigorated a Jets fan base that routinely has been left nauseated. The Jets currently have the NFL's longest active drought without making the playoffs, missing out on the postseason in each of the past 12 seasons. Mark Sanchez lost the football. Are you kidding me? The last time the Jets made the playoffs was 2010. That doesn't. The Jets will go to the playoffs. Can't wait. The season in which Aaron Rodgers won his only Super Bowl with Green Bay. The Lombardi Trophy is going back home to Green Bay. Rodgers has brought New York talent, hope, and credentials. He has more 30 touchdown and 4,000 yard passing seasons than all the previous Jets quarterbacks in their history combined. And now, Rodgers is hoping to do for New York what Peyton Manning did for Denver, what Tom Brady did for Tampa, and what Matthew Stafford did for Los Angeles. Imagine if he can. Drops back, looks right, throws to the end zone, wide open! It's a Jet touchdown! Rodgers already has been treated like a New York sporting legend. The last six weeks have been about the most fun I've had in a while. And if he delivers, he will be celebrated in New York for life. Great stuff there from Shefty, and it sure feels like no division is more stacked this year than the AFC East, where the four-time NFL MVP joins the fray. Josh Allen, a potential future MVP, is excited to face off twice a year against his good buddy Rodgers. I've gotten to know Aaron um, over the last couple of years, and I consider us, uh, you know, fairly close and. Um, I don't say we text on the regular, but he usually answers. I know he doesn't answer a lot of people. I've been such a fan of him as a little kid, having Aaron Rodgers jerseys, trying to emulate what he does on the football field. He's such a special player, the most gifted thrower of the football of all time. To now be going against him twice a year, it's going to be battle. Two cameos for Kevin Clark today, NFL Live. You'll love to see it. High <laughs> for both Rodgers and Allen this season. Preseason projections from ESPN Analytics have the Bills as the second-best offense in the league. Of course, behind only Kansas City. They're a little lower than you might expect on Rodgers and the Jets, mm. though, who check in at 12th overall. That's behind both Buffalo and Miami in the division. And the Dolphins are projected to finish sixth. Patriots at 22. So, Mina, as you look at these offensive rankings, you agree? I do. I do.
do. Yeah. It took me a second because I was thinking about where they, they fall, but I certainly agree with the order. One way to look at it, Field, is to ask which of these units, offenses, has the fewest questions about them? Starting with the Patriots, obviously the huge question is whether Mac Jones can bounce back from a horrible season, what a Bill O'Brien offense will look like, whether they have enough weapons, a lot of questions. With the Jets, we're really in uncharted territory. Uh, Rodgers, what will this offense even look like? With Hackett, I think is a reasonable question. Uh, what the offensive line looks like, particularly a tackle, is another one. The Dolphins, unfortunately, it's one of Tua's health. Can he stay healthy over the course of the entire season? We saw the drop-off without him. And then you get to the Bills, and I really don't have that many. Maybe mm. the offensive line right side is not the best, uh, but as long as Stephon Diggs is in the building, uh, this offense has a lot of continuity from last year, including the play caller and some exciting additions in terms of uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end they drafted in the first round, Damian Harris, who they added at running back, neither of whom you even see here. So I expect this offense to continue rolling. They finished as the second best in the NFL last year behind Kansas City in most metrics. Josh Allen should be healthier than he was at the last end of last year. There's no reason why they can't be the best in the division. Yeah, Mina, I absolutely agree. I'd have them in the same order as well. I think, if anything, I think you can split them maybe into two groups. Maybe group one is the Bills and the Dolphins. I think they're kind of in their own tier. And then in that lower tier, you have the Jets and the Patriots, which is a little weird to say because Aaron Rodgers is there in New York. But there's legitimate concerns about this offense. You mentioned the offensive line issues. You mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. To me, I think it even stretches to the receivers and their familiarity and comfort with Aaron Rodgers, who isn't exactly known as the most cuddly guy with young <laughs> receivers in the National Football League. Garrett Wilson certainly is going to be a big player. And then the schedule is going to be extremely difficult yeah. for the Jets this season. Ooh. You're looking at a stretch with the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Eagles, all before that week seven bye. I know that Jets fans are thrilled about Aaron Rodgers. He's certainly an upgrade on Zach Wilson and company. But if they get off to a one and four or one and five start, how is everyone in that building going to deal with adversity given the lofty expectations for the Jets heading into 2023? And Bill, how might the media corps in New York handle a one and five start? Right? I can only imagine <laughs> the headlines on the back pages of the paper. Uh, Shefty, Bill did mention, or excuse me, Mina mentioned Stephon Diggs at one point. Is maybe the question mark for the Bills? Yeah. I know it's a story that we've all been following. Do we have any more updates from last week's kind of curious back and forth with Sean McDermott? For now, everything seems fine. For now, let's wait and see until Buffalo loses a game. <laughs> Stephon Diggs doesn't get the ball in a big spot, doesn't get as many footballs as he wants during the course of the game. It's very easy on June 22nd to say that things are fine because they are. They talked, they communicated, everybody said what they had to, and I think they feel better about where it is today. But where it is today is not going to be where it is in October or November. And that becomes the real test and the real challenge. And if it becomes too much of a distraction, maybe they could all just take some psychedelics and listen to Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback <laughs> June, in their division. It's June 22nd. It's supposed to be a pleasant time of the year. There's even good weather up in Buffalo right now. Uh, Bill, just go back to these orders <laughs> exactly. here for a second. That's right. It's one through four. If there was a deviation of the order, whether it's a team moving up or down, what might be the most likely deviation in your estimation? 
I would say Dolphins going up. And I think, of course, we saw how good they can be last year when Tua was thriving early in the season. I think they need that counterpunch, yeah. though. The teams took away those inside throws. They need to either run the ball or throw the ball outside. Two things I think they can do, but... We mentioned all the running backs who are still available. No, they drafted Devin A-Chain. I wonder if they're a team that calls up a Dalvin Cook or an Ezekiel Elliott to say, hey, if teams want to take away the middle of the mm. field and dare us to run, let's beat them with a power back who can take advantage of those light boxes the Dolphins might face. Yeah, I think the Dolphins are a good choice because their ceiling is so high. We saw that ceiling through half of last season. But I would say in the second half of the season, there are questions beyond Tua's injury because when he did play in the second half of the season, you saw defenses play them differently. And we didn't really get the opportunity to see like a fully adjusted counterattack, sort of which Bill's alluding to there. So that's another question I want to see this year. Okay, what happens when defenses stop that RPO downfield game? What's your counter move? And I think he'll come up with something. All four these teams seem really good. I just hope we don't have an AFC West situation of last year where we kind of overinflated <laughs> how good this division actually would be. We've got time for one more thing and following NFL Live is a special edition of NBA Today because you may have heard it's the NBA draft tonight and there is Victor Wembanyama who of course the maybe the best prospect since LeBron, maybe even better. Sheffy, how high will you be drafting Wemby in our War Room Basketball League this year? <laughs> Bill, we've already had this debate. You're way behind in even asking the question. Me and Camby discussed this weeks ago, and we pegged <laughs> Victor Wembenyamas going somewhere between picks six and eight, believe it or not, in the fantasy draft this upcoming season. Might be a little high, but you see the talent. He is going to be enormously productive. Those block shots are going to come in handy. NBA draft tonight. Wolves will be dropping bombs. Can't wait. I can't wait for it. Check out Mina and Bill's Twitter feed because if you thought they were just limited to football, you are so wrong. NBA Today is next. Enjoy the draft tonight.